Hi, this is Keith from the Book of Constellations. I hope you're enjoying the story so far. And if you are, there's a couple of ways you can help support the show. The first is to invite friends to listen. Word of mouth is one of the most important ways we can build an audience together. And it means a lot to me to know that my story is reaching people. The second way is to consider making a donation. Just like when you buy a new book or go on a movie date, you recognize the value of the entertainment you're getting. I'm an independent artist, so I depend on support from my listeners to allow me to keep making content. If you'd like to show your support with a donation, go to glow.fm slash bookofconstellations. That's G-L-O-W dot F-M slash bookofconstellations. It's super easy, quick and painless, just a couple of clicks, and I deeply appreciate it. Thank you. Enjoy today's verse. The Book of Constellations Written, produced, and performed by W. Keith Timms Chapter 1, Verse 6 So that was how we met Satya. I still struggle with that. Even after everything that happened, and all she did for us, what she meant to me and Arael, I, I don't know. We should have left her behind. I guess I was thinking practically, short term. Obviously she needed to be out of her home. And being a minor complicates things for us and, and her. And while Rael did tell her about everything, about the darkness and the Theta group, and what happened to his uh, people... We brought her into danger, and I don't think even Rael could see the consequences. But that evening in the forest, she was just so happy, so much better than she was when we met her, running from her brother and the other bigots in her life, looking at her, smiling atop the RV next to Rael, the bruise on her face forgotten. I couldn't imagine sending her back or turning her over to the authorities. I'm in. She said. Rael was clearly all right with it, so I guess I decided to be all right with it, too. Okay, I say, you're in. The question is, what do we do next? I fish another Oxycontin out of the baggie Satya gave me, stolen from her brother's stash. I'm not too worried about getting addicted. I mean, I got stage four bone cancer, and I figure addiction is low on my list of worries. I'm more concerned about running out. I resolved to make them stretch, to take them only when I absolutely have to. At this stage, I can't afford to be even more of a liability to the pair of them. They need looking after, and I'll have to do. Rail stands up smoothly, hops down from the roof of the RV, his poncho fluttering. Considering how far that is, that's quite a feat, and he lands effortlessly. Satya laughs. <laughs> Show off. She has to take the long way down the ladder on the back. Nice sticker, she says as she passes the old moon or bust decal. Were you at Woodstock too? Respect your elders, young lady, I say. And she laughs some more. Yeah, 
That was Satya. I miss her. I have a seat at the picnic table at the campsite to take a load off my legs, and Rail waits until she joins us before he speaks, quiet and thoughtful as always. I have been delaying and misguiding our pursuers as best I can, but I cannot do much more. Satya, your mother has been in touch with the police, and they are looking for us in earnest now. I'm surprised she cares, Satya says, folding her arms. This isn't about me, it's about her. She wants to control me. She's worried about how it looks for her. Rail says, she is afraid. She is misguided. She wanders in a world that tells her what to hate and what to fear and makes her feel awful about herself. She feels like a failure and all she can do is lash out because that is all the world has done to her. It is all she knows. This is what the darkness does. She is lost in it. So is your brother. I interject here. Uh, you saw what Syed did to her. I have a hard time giving that thug any sympathy. He says, which is why you must. What he did was wrong, and he should be held accountable. But he is lost in the darkness. He must be shown a way out. Okay, but Rael, not everyone is like that. I've lived long enough to know that there are some people that are just bad. What about the people you say you want to confront? The governor? That Dr. Astrum? I... I have to believe that if we can drive the darkness out of them, they will awaken as if from a dream and see the damage the darkness set them to and will then try to make things right. Yeah, I gotta admire his optimism, I guess. I say, even so, uh, I'm gonna keep my shotgun where I can get to it. Rail says, Simon, violence cannot be the answer. I know you were trying to protect Satya back there, but what if you had shot Syed? He was going to beat on both of you until I turned it on him. And now the police are treating us as armed and dangerous. They will bring more weapons against us and be eager to use them. Well, I hadn't thought about that. But I say, look, as a last resort, we need something to defend ourselves with. A weapon is not made for defense. A weapon is made for death. That is its purpose. Any protection a weapon brings comes from fear. Fear and death are the tools of the darkness. We cannot use that tool, or we become part of it. Please. Well, I told him yes. But in my heart, I didn't mean it. Okay, Satya says. We'll give peace a chance. But since the cops are after us, if you're feeling up to it, Simon, shouldn't we get on the road? I say, yeah, we can't stay here. If nothing else, a ranger will be along some point to check the campsites. But Rail peers off through the descendant dark as the sky and the shadows between the trees meld together. The wolves are coming, he says. Sati and I look at each other, and then at him. Wolves? she asks. He turns to regard us through his side-shielded sunglasses. The police are watching the roads behind us. This has alerted the Theta group, and they are coming. They are getting better at hiding themselves from me. They have reached the edge of this forest, and will send in their scouts within the hour. Zatya says, Yeah, okay. 
wolves. So we should go? I say, how do we get out of here if the police are watching the roads we came in on? Is there another road through the forest? Rhea looks away into the distance again. There is a dirt track used by the rangers. It takes us to the other side of the forest and to a county road. Is it wide enough to get the RV through? I don't know. Well, I say, I guess we should look. The paved road through the National Forest makes a loop past the various campsites nestled back into the trees. A couple of them are occupied, but they're far enough back that I think we only draw a little attention. By the time we reach the track, it's all the way dark. The moon is into its new phase, and stripes of stratus clouds hide half the stars. I stare at the dirt road lit by my headlamps, which is overgrown, canopied with branches, and riddled with potholes. I can see a jeep making its way through here, maybe a sedan driven carefully, but my ancient monster of an RV? Assuming we don't get stuck, the track might get too narrow, or have branches too low to get past, or we might bounce onto a rock or a fallen log and then break an axle. And... Rail, I don't know, this, this isn't going to work. It must work, Simon, he says. We cannot go back. They are already here. Satya looks uncertain herself, but she smiles at me. You got this, Simon. Well, hell, leap of faith, right? Okay, I say, but I'm going to have to take it really slow. Do what you must, Rail says. And so, I take my foot off the brake and turn onto the track. The whole RV shakes and shudders as we roll over the uneven ground. And then when we hit the first real pothole, Satya is thrown out of her seat and stuff in the kitchen area crashes to the floor. You might want to buckle up, young lady. Yeah, she says, picking herself up, chagrined. Thanks for the warning. After a little while, I think we all get used to the bumping and jostling. Rail gets tossed around like the rest of us, but he seems quite calm about it all. The track surface is pretty variable. Sometimes it's fairly smooth sailing, other times it's like riding bumper cars at an unlicensed carnival. Either way, I ought to take it slow. It occurs to me that depending on how long this track is, it might take us hours to get to the other side at this rate. And I'm sure we're not being inconspicuous. But I also trust that Rayo will warn us if the bad guys get close. A branch scrapes across the roof of the RV. The canopy's getting lower. And the track is getting kind of muddy in places. We're in some sort of swampy area, I guess. I'm doing my best to steer under the low-hanging limbs and around tree falls without going too far off the shoulder of the track. And I don't know when the last time I got new tires is, and... Well, I'm worried. We've been crashing our way along for a while when Satya says, Rael, do you think the darkness has my brother? Rael is holding on to the armrest next to him for stability and thinks about this a moment. I do not think so. You must understand that my knowledge of the darkness is incomplete. When I began piecing together what I know, back with my people, the darkness had already won. Those that remained were too busy trying to survive to ask why. Everything our people built over thousands of years was coming undone. When the end came, when we all died, 
and I was all that was left. I had to understand the darkness alone, gathering what evidence I could from the ruins. I believe that the darkness spreads by first claiming a few key minds directly. Then it uses those people to change the world so that it may thrive. These changes cause others, not directly controlled by the darkness, to fall into evil. They turn against each other and themselves because the world they live in encourages them to do so. Thus, the darkness thrives and spreads. More minds are overthrown, directly and indirectly, until the damage is so great that there is no turning back from it. So, what, you think the governor is possessed by some darkness thing? I do not know if it is a single mind or a collective intelligence, but I suppose that is one way to describe it. But not Syed? Rael Persis's lips troubled a moment. I don't think so. I have seen souls fully infiltrated by the darkness. They are divorced from life, cut off from what all living and growing things share. There is no way into their heart. I do not think Syed is like that. I think he is lost in what the darkness has created but I can still see a way to his heart. Sadia turns away to look out of the window as my headlights bounce and sway over the overgrown track outside. Oh, she says. I kind of wish it was the other way. Why? asks Rael. Because if it was a body snatcher thing, then at least I'd understand why he stopped loving me. Rael reaches back to her, placing his hand on her knee. The plastic hospital bracelets on his wrists shift in. When we drive out the darkness, your brother will find his way back. My headlights start to flicker, just for a second, and then pop back on. The dash lights, too. A moment later and they do it again. I'm thinking that maybe there's a loose wire that's getting jiggled around as we bounce along the track because it keeps happening. The lights of the RV dim, flicker, go out and come back on again. I'm listening for trouble coming from under the hood. The engine's chugging hard, but it has been since we started. Rail has taken his hand back from Satya and is facing straight forward in his seat. What's going on? asks Satya. I'm not sure. Uh, something in the electricals, maybe? Suddenly the lights go out and they stay out. The night outside seems impenetrable through the dense trees, and I have only a vague memory of where the road is. I slow down, but I don't want to stop completely because of the muddy ground. I want to keep some momentum going, at least. I fiddle with the headlamp switch trying to keep us from plowing into a tree, but it doesn't do anything. Rail is sitting ramrod straight in his chair, staring straight ahead. He says, They're close. Suddenly the headlamps come back on. The road is swarming with deer and we're bearing down on them. I swerve and I hit the brakes. The RV shudders off the road, bouncing and smashing through some shrubs before stopping, resting at a slight angle, half in a shallow, muddy depression. The lights flicker again, going out, coming back on. There's deer everywhere, their black eyes wide and reflecting the light. They're agitated, grunting and calling, running in circles in a halt and panicked manner. I can hear them all around us, hundreds of them, crashing through the woods. Every time the lights of the RV flicker, they twitch or jump or bolt, 
running into trees or each other, but I don't think my lights are causing that. I'm used to living in the country. I've been around deer all my life. Been hunting more than a few times. I've never seen deer act like this or in groups this large. Satya says what I'm thinking. What the hell? Turn off your lights, Rail says stiffly. And the engine. I do. And now we sit in the dark, surrounded by the panicked horde of deer that seem like they're running from something, but just don't know where to run. And that's when I hear it. First, somewhere in the distance, is a low mechanical whirr, drifting, moving, not quite placeable, a sound that flows through the trees like heavy syrup and seems to come from everywhere. And the second sound is a... I can't quite tell you what it sounded like. It was more like a... a unsound. A pulse. Every few seconds. Which coincided with the flickers of my headlights and seemed to also spook the sea of deer around us. Something felt more than heard. A, a touch to your skin, your eardrums, the nerves around your heart. Sometimes I think I can hear the forest itself react to it. Leaves and blades of grass shuddering for a millisecond. Tiny fragments of bark cut free. Seeds cracking open. A faint cry of protest from the natural world itself with each pulse. The whir is getting louder, closer. The deer are moving away, but there's so many, it's like a river around the RV. More and more emerge from the woods to run across the dirt road. What is going on? I ask. Rail sits, stiff and distracted. They're looking for me. Satya leans toward him. Are you alright? Uncomfortable, but fine. We need to get out of here, she says. But Rail shakes his head. They will see the headlights, hear the engine. Just wait. That's when a bird crashes into my window. Satya and I both jump with fright. I didn't get a good look at it, some sort of wren, I think, but its broken body falls to the ground. There's a sound like a thousand paper fans beat in the air, and more birds start to hit the RV, smacking into the windshield or thudding against the metal body. Oh God, says Satya, what is happening? The mechanical whine is louder now, and then we can see its source. Something is hovering just over the tree line about a hundred yards away. Bright lights spearing down from it and shining through the branches. Surrounding whatever it is, is a cloud of birds, panicked and flying in a confused frenzy, seem to be both drawn to and terrified by its lights and its pulses of unsound. Its thrumming engine carries it slowly along, searching, drifting, ruthlessly inspecting the ground below with its spotlights. The deer are in full route now, moving en masse away from the lights as the birds shriek and whirl past our windows. If that thing turns our way, there's no doubt it will see us. But it doesn't. It moves off, taking the birds with it, and we can watch its lights getting further and further away. Eventually, even the mechanical whir gets too quiet to hear, and Rail seems to relax. The deer are gone. The forest feels bleakly quiet, squeezed out, drained. Is it safe to keep moving? I ask. That thing is probably following a search pattern. It'll be back. 
Yes, says Rael, though there is another searching for us. Great, says Satya. Guys, I don't like this reboot of Bambi. Can we go? Yeah, I say. Start up the RV and put it in gear and give it some gas. And we don't go anywhere. The back wheels spin helplessly in the muddy ground. We're stuck. I grab my flashlight and hop out to check the situation. Skin in the sky for those moving lights. We seem to be okay for the moment. Even the wildlife has moved on. I count half a dozen dead birds on the ground and a few new dents on the side of the RV. I don't know what madness Theta Group was using, but clearly they didn't care about collateral damage. No compassion. No restraint. Both rear wheels are mired in the muddy depressions, but the left one's pretty well stuck. Sati walks around the RV, using her phone to light the way, watching the woods nervously. What do you think that was? I don't know. Some kind of machine. Flying. Hovering. Maybe a drone? It was hurting Rael, she says. Yeah, I saw. This Theta group? They're pretty bad news. I'm getting that. Did he tell you about Dr. Astrum? Just mentioned her. Yeah, well... I hope you don't have to meet her. I feel another pang of guilt putting her in a dangerous situation like this. But she shrugs. If we can get out of here, maybe I won't have to. What can I do to help? We need to get something under the wheels to give them traction. I'm going to look for fallen boughs. Go inside and rummage around for any old cardboard boxes, something we can stick under the tires. A few minutes later, I'm crouching down in the mud, my legs hurting again, wedging some branches and a folded up beer case under the wheels as best I can while the other two watch. All right, I say, squelching out of the mud. I'll see if this works. Stay back a bit, Satya asks. Would it help if we pushed? An eight-ton RV? Thanks, but I don't think that'll do much good. So I climb in and start her up again, give her a little gas. I hear the wheels begin to spin, hear the splatter of mud as it sprays everywhere. The RV lurches a little, but then sinks back again. I give it more gas, but it just doesn't help. Just about to give up this attempt and try to load up more branches when suddenly I'm rolling forward, banging onto the road. Ha! I drive a little bit just to make sure I'm on solid ground before I stop to get the other two. Rail climbs in wordlessly, but Satya has a slightly wide-eyed expression. Hey, I say, I thought that wasn't going to work, but now we're out. Yeah, says Satya and nods at Rail. He pushed. What? He pushed, she says. Rail is studying the night sky outside calmly. Glad I could help. We should keep moving. I glance back at Satya, who mimes a shoving motion while nodding at Rael with silent astonishment. He's full of surprises, isn't he? But time is against us, and if you'll pardon the pun, we're not out of the woods yet. Don't suppose you know how much farther we got to go? I ask Rael. A little while yet. Great. Nothing for it but to drive on. At some point, the ground becomes firm again. The track evens out. The trees look older, taller, and I'm not worried about hitting low-hanging branches nearly as much. Poor RV's been working hard, and I can 
Smell how hot the engine is. Just a little farther, I keep thinking, and I hope it's true. The shadows seem heavier in the old growth forest, oaks mixed with pines. Abruptly we bump up from the dirt track onto smooth asphalt. Ahead through the trees I can see the blue-white glow of a street lamp. This must be it, a little stub of pavement that leads to the county road and away from all of this. Hey, I think we made it, I say. Satya squints through the front windshield. Why is it snowing? Except it isn't snowing. Around the street lamp, there over the road to our escape, thousands of moths circle the light, fluttering, fallen, fluttering again, their white wings beating the air. It's so beautiful and so eerie. They're like a living cloud, a fog bank, but so many of them. It's distracted enough that I almost miss the huge steel bar gate which blocks our exit. I stop, deep in the multitude of moths, my headlights shining on that thick bar that holds us just one foot from freedom. And there's not enough room to drive around it. Damn it, I say. I bet it's locked. Satya says, I'll go check. She's out and moving to the gate, pausing to look up and smile at the cloud of insects. There's so many she has to be careful as she goes, trying not to run headlong into them. They're landing on the RV now for a brief respite, some drawn to my headlights. Others soar upwards toward the treetops, but the whole cloud of them seems to be doing a slow promenade around the street lamp. This isn't normal, I say to Rael, unless there's some sort of swarm hatching thing going on. Do you think those those things that drove the birds and the deer crazy are, are doing this? But Rael doesn't answer. He's sitting very still, stiff, looking straight ahead. Ah, hell. Satya's at the gate, peering at the latch. I lean out of the window and I try to get her attention. Hey! Hey, get back here! Those things are getting close! The headlights of the RV flicker. When they snap back up, about a dozen moths are falling out of the sky, dead. A few moments pass, and then there's another pulse, a flicker of unsound. The lights go out and more moths die. We watch them drop when the light comes on again. And it's not just my headlamps, but the street light too. The mechanical whine seeps out of the forest from somewhere behind us, just now audible over the noise of my engine. Another flicker, and dead moths pelt the RV like a rain of cotton balls. Satya, I say. She hurries back and into the rear of the RV, picking dead moths out of her hair. It's got a padlock on it. Hell, what do we do? That steel bar isn't going to budge for us. Rael, do do we go back? Rael doesn't move. He has this look of profound concentration on his face, mixed with pain. Don't worry, says Satya. I got this. She goes into her backpack, grabs something that looks like a large pocket knife, and hurries back to the gate. I glance in my side mirror and I see searchlights gliding along the tree line, getting closer, blasting away the dark. I turn off the camper's headlights but keep the engine running. My heart is racing. Satya's hunched over the lock, though every time that thing in the sky behind us spits out its unsound, she vanishes temporarily into the darkness. The road is littered with the bodies of dead moths, like the snow Satya mistook them for earlier. The branches of the forest behind us shake with unnatural wind as the hunting machine drifts closer 
and closer. Come on, come on. The lights go out, but this time, when they come back on, Satya is pushing the huge iron bar out of the way before running back to the RV. Go, she says, slamming the door. And I do. I leave the headlights off as long as I dare and drive. Even when I can't see or hear the machines anymore, I'm pushing the engine as hard as she'll go, roaring down the empty road. It's about 15 minutes later before anyone says anything. Rhea looks relaxed again, though seems especially quiet. I glance back at Satya. How'd you open that gate? She brandishes the tool she used earlier, which seems to be a folded set of lockpicks. Simple. It was a cheap lock. Where'd you learn to pick locks? On the internet, she says. You'd be surprised how easy it is. And you bought lockpicks? Are those legal? I don't know, but they get me where I need to be. If I need to hide out in the school, for example. Well, it's hard to argue with that, considering her home life. I look at Rael. Are you okay? Those things look like they really hurt you. I am fine, he says. It is not the worst that they have sent against me. I guess not. Are they still coming? I think we have lost them for now. The police are still looking for us on the other side of the forest. We have a little time. Then I say we make the most of it. Though, we're gonna need to get some gas at some point. And, uh, I only got a little money left, you know? Yes. I have been thinking about that. Keep going. We will have a couple of stops to make come morning. Well... If nothing else, this should be interesting. The Book of Constellations is written, produced, and performed by W. Keith Timms. Music in this episode included Freezing But Warm by Maydan, and you can find links to his music on our website, bookofconstellations.com. Additional music came from Free Sound Collective. If you know someone who might like this story, tell them about it, and consider supporting the show at glow.fm slash bookofconstellations. See you next verse.